Good morning. Let's go ahead and get started. Appreciate we all had a good prayer time. Always important to come to the Lord with our needs and also with thanks. As I reminded the inmates at this last service we had Thursday, you know, it's so important in our prayer time we remember to thank the Lord. And so sometimes instead of having prayer requests, we have answers to prayer. And then uh, they share all kinds of things, but a lot of it doing with their trial and their charges and such. But always important to spend time communicating with the Lord. When we talk about the word hope, that's a very precious word that I think we all desperately need. Every day I hear that quiet cry at the jail, give me some hope. Recently, I had to do a death notification late at night involving a young lady. She was 22. Her father had gone in for routine surgery and had died. And that's probably the hardest part of what we do at the jail is doing those death notifications. But she reacted very, very upset, crying, not knowing why and... She looked at me and she looked and she said, Chaplain, give me some hope. <laughs> and so I had the opportunity to share God's word and share the gospel with her. But we all want hope, don't we? We need hope. This being Father's Day, I took an informal poll of fathers as to what their hopes were. And here's a few of them. One father said, I hope and pray that my children trust in the Lord. While another dad said, my hope is that I'm a good father and that my children look at me and see a godly example. And of course, most of you know, this was years ago, there was this song that every Father's Day, I'm always reminded, and you could probably guess it, called Cats in the Cradle. (laughs) But I think it brings a tear into the eyes of, of fathers as we think about the hope of being a good example. And there's just a little bit of it. My child arrived just the other day, came to the world in the usual way. There were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking before I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. And then it's uh, cats in the cradle, silver spoon, little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. You know, we'll have a good time then. And then it goes through it, but at the end, I hope I can read this. I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle, and the kids have the flu But it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's sure nice talking to you. As I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. When our hope is that our kids see in us as dads, they see the hope of Jesus Christ in us, that, that we can portray to our children that our hope at the end of life's road has to be where? 
Words that have to be focused. In Jesus Christ. The bottom line, we all need hope. A few years ago, when I was still in the military, I rushed to Tampa General after receiving a call from one of my soldiers whose wife was T-boned. And they didn't expect her to live. And they said, Chaplain, we need some hope. Can you come? So I went, and they were all in a family in a separate room, and they said she's over here, and she was in ICU all hooked up with all these kind of tubes, and as fast as they were giving her a blood transfusion, it was going through her, and they didn't expect her to live. She was unconscious. So I kneeled down beside her and prayed with her that sharing Jesus is the answer And by God's grace, she lived. I don't know if she accepted the Lord, but giving her hope at that time and that family hope is planting a seed. And that's what giving hope to people is all about. But we as believers, where is our hope? It's hope in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6.19 reveals this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. We need that hope in Jesus alone as we live in this world and things intensify all around us. The world doesn't have the answer. That's why I share many times a day with inmates and sometimes staff John 14:6 Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through me." Well, this morning we're going to look at a passage that shares three steps in reaching our ultimate hope, who is Jesus. We're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 6 through 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 6 to 8. Three steps in reaching our ultimate hope, which is Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer before we look at this. Heavenly Father, thank you that you rose from the dead. Thank you first for dying on the cross for our sins. And fathers, we have opportunity to share your hope, which is the gospel. May we Keep track. May we respond to those divine appointments that you give each one of us with those we have contact with, whether it's at work, home, with a neighbor, whether it's at Walmart, Publix, wherever we are, Lord. We know there are divine appointments to share you with others. You are our hope. And Father, as we look today to your word, your Holy Spirit to teach us, Lord, please, Help us to not only hear it, but be doers of the word as well. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, before we look at these three steps in reaching our ultimate hope, we need to understand the context of these three verses. Paul was a spiritual mentor of Timothy, and he's trying to encourage him, his younger brother in Christ, with directions for the challenges and the opportunities to preach. He shares that in 2 Timothy 3 and part of chapter 4. But in these three verses we're looking at begins the closing remarks and farewell as God's servant, our brother in Christ Paul, anticipates the end of his earthly life. Now the three steps in reaching our ultimate hope in Christ. The first step is our situation. And our situation is that in this present time, we are all dying. Paul states in verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. As Paul looked back at Numbers 15 and the Old Testament offerings to God, Paul looked at his upcoming death as the final stage of his offering to God. This is pictured again in Philippians 2.17. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Paul continues, verse 6, and says, And the time of my departure has come. It's at hand. The picture here is an interesting one. Paul worked on the side as a tent maker. And this picture here is that he's picking up the, uh, the stakes that hold down the tent. How many know what that is? How many know what a tent is? Okay. <laughs> you have to have those stakes down solid, don't you? Because if it gets windy or stormy, uh, it could blow away or blow down. I remember uh, in the military going up to Fort Gordon in Georgia, Augusta, Georgia, and going there, and we had a tornado come through one time. And the stakes were coming up, and that's not a good thing when you're inside. And so the soldiers got out, and they were hanging on to the corners, trying to keep it from blowing away. When you're in the middle of a field, there's no place to go. So you weather it out. And so the picture here is of taking up stakes, Paul is saying, as he's coming to the end of his... Uh, earthly ministry. He knows his departure is near. All of us are dying and only God knows when we'll leave this earth. No certain age. I had a sister-in-law who was passed away at age 27. A cousin who was 8. My, one of my grandfathers was 98. So we don't know how long we have. And that's one thing I share too uh, with the inmates at Pinellas County Jail. I share with them you don't know how long you have. And you don't know how many wake-up calls God is going to give you. And that's what they like to call it, a wake-up call. They say, well, chaplain, you know, now I have time to, and I'm searching and I'm looking and what's the answer? And so you share scripture with them and then many of them go out and 70% of them come back. So it's kind of the temporary thing that happens. But when God does the changing, it's permanent change. And I don't see him again, and that's a good thing. Although, well, I won't go into that, but once in a while, there'll be a roof being replaced on our block, and I'm coming home from work. Hey, chaplain. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. You remember me? <laughs> 
But at least they're out working. At least they're not back in the jail. Ecclesiastes 3 says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted. Quick review of Paul's life in a great turnaround from him being a persecutor to being the one being persecuted. As Paul was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was imprisoned numerous times, he was beaten, he was falsely charged, just to name a few. But now he's sensing the time of his time on earth. The end of that time is near. I remember with my grandfather, my senior year in college, he was reading a portion out of this book. This is a little bit out of a book by, called The Way Home by D.L. Moody. And I just made a copy of that page because it was written in 1904. And every time I open it, it seems like it's falling apart a little more. But he had this open. And he was sharing, he was reading this. And here's what it says. And when we are called by him to arise and come home, it will be joy. Oh, what a homecoming that will be. It is for you, my dear friends, who have been serving him here below. He calls you. The master calls you. Would you wish to stay? No. When he calls you, you will rise and meet him with joy. You will rejoice to follow him. Follow him on the earth and you will follow him from the earth to heaven. Rejoice, then rejoice, for great is your reward in heaven. That was in February of 1974, and the next weekend, my grandfather went home to be with the Lord. So he knew, and he had that open, and I still have that book. Like I say, I don't open it that much, because every time I do, a few more pages break loose. But that was an encouragement to him as he looked forward. He knew the time of his departure was near, as Paul knows that. As well, Paul has just had his preliminary meeting with Nero and he's expecting his final hearing any time. The Romans didn't crucify the condemned, but it was death by decapitation. They dismembered him, cut off an arm, cut off a leg. That's, that's how they kill people. Paul, like Peter, Peter shares even in 2 Peter 1, Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus showed me. Paul, like Peter, was anticipating death. But not death with no hope, but death with hope. And that's the key. I tell inmates at the jail every day is a gift from God. And until God calls us home... We're to live for, for Jesus as if it were our last day on this earth. Philippians 1.21 says, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen? Amen. Some days even more with the, I know with this heat. Every, how many do well in the heat? Oh, okay. Well, appreciate the honesty. <laughs> As long as you're in the air conditioning, the, the heat doesn't bother you quite as much, does it? <laughs> Praise the Lord for air conditioning. 
Susie, I'll remember that. <laughs> and there's a, a song that, and again, I'm not going to sing, so don't be afraid, but it just reminds us, I think, how we need to be like Paul if the Lord says it's time to take up the stakes to the tent, it's time to move to heaven. When the roll is called up yonder, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. I pray everybody here this morning will be there. So when that trumpet sounds and the twinkling of an eye, and if we're here for the rapture, but if we're not, when that time comes and the Lord says your time on earth is done, that we will look with all anticipation that we're walking through heaven's gates to be with the Lord forever. I don't know what we can add to that kind of hope and to see Jesus, to see Him and to serve Him forever. I don't know about you, but with all this heat and all, I'm reminded, you know, we are getting older. I'm getting older. Uh, Turned 63 in May. Some days it's hard to get up. Steve's not quite 63. He reminded me I got a few months on him. But he will be later this year. (laughs) You can't, what's that? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you know, things creak more than they used to, don't they? You just, they just can't jump up like 20 years ago. But uh, <laughs> our bodies start wearing out. I'm reminded of that playing with our granddaughter, Carly. Uh, Grandpa get winded kind of quick. <laughs> That's probably the first thing she'll say in a sentence. Well, Grandpa's tired already. <laughs> but trying to keep up. Then in Sparks, they have a game called Minnow and Sharks. And I tried to play in that. We had all the leaders out in the middle. I was going across the gym floor just fine till I pulled a hamstring. <laughs> so I'd never experienced that before. But, you know, 20 years ago, you didn't think about that kind of thing. But uh, I was reminded of that. Uh, as I am all the time in Awana, but uh, I love working with those kids. Uh, Charles Swindoll got this from his doctor uh, one year, a list of things to how how you know you're growing older. Everything hurts. What doesn't hurt doesn't work. (laughs) You finally reach the top of the ladder and you find it leaning against the wrong wall. You know all the answers, but nobody asks you the questions. (laughs) Your knees buckle, but your belt won't. You sit in a rocking chair and can't get it going. You sink your teeth into a steak and they stay there. That's not all the list, but that's just a few of them. (laughs) But as we grow older... God knows that, and and he gives us the extra strength when we need it. And it just, I think, as we grow older, too, we know, too, that um, God is still with us, and he's helping us each day sometimes to get up. First step in reaching our hope in Jesus 
Our ultimate hope is our present situation that we're all dying. In verse 6, our second step is our ongoing legacy of finishing the race. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Paul, as he nears the end of his life, shares, I have fought the good fight. It's a fight, believe me. To stand up for what God's Word says is a fight. It's a battle. And if, and if you haven't experienced yet, you will get opposition. And you will get it in different ways, but the Lord stands with us. And that's why we have to have on the whole armor of God that we can withstand all the deceptive and wicked ways of the devil because he's busy. This is a picture of a Greek wrestler. It says, I have fought. Speaks of a past action with present results. Paul never gave up, but fought for the Lord through his whole life, even as he faces death. 1 Timothy 6.11 reminds us, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you are also called and confess the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. It is a good fight because it's for the Lord. It's for His glory. It's for His credit, not ours. Paul continues, I have finished the race. Again, past action with continuing results. Life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I was watching some uh, of the World Cup going on in Canada, the women's soccer. And I'm just amazed, back and forth, 45 minutes at a time, they get one halftime break. Otherwise, it's continually running back and forth. Well, life isn't just one little trip across the field. It's back and forth. It's a marathon. It's a long race. And so each day we have to say, Lord, help me to get through this day, this part of the race, that whatever I do, whatever I say, whatever I think brings honor to you. Because in the end, that's, what it comes, that's what's important. That we do it all for the Lord. Jesus is at the finish line. And we want to hear. Well done thou good and faithful servant. Race of life is a tough one. But our focus has to be on Jesus. All the way. Every day. 1 Corinthians 9.24 Do you not know that those who run in a race all run. But one received the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. There it's talking. Jesus is the prize. He's the one who chose us, saved us, and keeps us. And then next, Paul shares, I have kept the faith. That's quite a statement. The faith. The faith in who? In Jesus. Faith in God's word. That when God says he's going to do something, he does it. And all the promises that when we don't know where to turn, God says, I'm here. Look at me. I will help you through this. There's nothing beyond God. He proclaimed God's word to the lost. We have that opportunity every day. And we don't know when that next person's going to turn to us. Maybe 
Walking through Walmart, we see somebody we work with and they're going through a struggle that we can give them the hope, which is Jesus Christ. Not something like, well, there's a group I think you can join over here, but saying and sharing when that opportunity comes, Jesus is the only answer for eternal life. It's through him. Paul guarded the truth like a soldier completing that last mission. The athlete finishing that last leg of the race. That wrestler giving it his all till the end of the match. Paul lays the word he guarded before the captain of the ship, Jesus. It says, I've kept the faith. Does that mean he was perfect? No. But he kept the faith. He kept focusing on Jesus. Every time he got distracted, he turned back. And that's the key. Because we'll never be perfect on this earth. But we are to be sanctified, more set apart every day as we keep our eyes on Jesus and say, Lord, not only teach me your word, help me to apply it and change my life from it. That's what should be going on every day. Have we been keeping the faith, God's word? Has it been our navigation wheel of our lives Does our faith in the inerrant truth of God's Word keep our faith strong when the storms come up? Do we ever get storms in life? Those unexpected ones? Almost like a a hurricane at times. Spiritually, the Lord says, I've got the wheel. Hang on to me. I won't let you get thrown overboard. I won't let you drown. And I always love that story of Peter As he walked on the water, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was fine. He looked away and he started to sink. But then what happened? He yelled, help! And the Lord went over and grabbed him. And they walked together on water back to the boat. I'd like to know what those other disciples were saying. Here comes Peter and Jesus walking back through the storm. And Jesus would say, Jesus said in those storms, what did he say to the storm? Peace be still. And the storm kind of subsided immediately. That's the God we worship, the creator of the universe. The one that we're adopted into his family. How can we praise him enough for that? The second step in our ongoing legacy like Jonah or Enoch is of finishing the race. In verse 7, I see some of the inmates every day who are, quite frankly, sitting on the sideline. Some of them claim to have a relationship with Jesus, but they go back and say, I used to go to church, I used to do this and that, but I say, what is your relationship with Jesus? That's what matters. You can quote all the religious stuff you want, But I asked one inmate, I said, who persecuted Jesus the most? The religious leaders. You're getting into my turf. You're getting part of my money that's coming to me out of jealousy. Religious persecution was the one that stirred the mobs. I know it was all in God's will and he allowed it. But they were the ones stirring it all up. It's about a relationship. That's what matters. Not how much religion you have. Because religion, quite frankly, most of it 
tends to focus on man and not God. What's the center? And that's what I love about Lakeside. The center here is the teaching of the word. That's got to be the first thing. Because how are we going to grow? How are we going to know what God wants us to do if we don't study the Bible? And that's why we go to God's Word. And I appreciate that with Steve, faithful, and our other pastors. Sharing God's Word, that's what it's about. Because that's the answer. Now we're ready for the third step, which is our future reward in verse 8. And that future reward is our crown of righteousness. Verse 8, in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. With the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Our eternal crown. And this was a picture of that plated uh, wreath of an athlete in the Greek Olympics. They wore this plated crown when they would win. This is an eternal crown of righteousness which reflects the imputed righteousness of Christ. When we're saved, we're not righteous in ourselves. We have to have put upon us Jesus' righteousness. We are justified at the point of salvation, Romans 4. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. The last two weeks we talked about it's God's power that keeps us saved. It's not based on the Lord saying every day, well, John, you've done only eight works today, not ten, so you didn't make it today. God keeps us saved. He has us in his right hand and no one can snatch us out. But we have to put our trust in him every day. We have to say every day, Lord, show me what you want me to learn today. Help me to learn it. There's so many distractions. There's so many things that pull me away. Help me to keep my eyes on you. And know that it's because of you that we're adopted into God's family. It's not anything that we've done. It, It's him who made us alive. He chose us before the foundation of the world. And he saved us and he keeps us. When we enter heaven's gates by the rapture or we're called home by death, we're eternally declared righteous because of what Jesus did in saving us. Look at verse 8. It says, The righteous judge will award to me on that day. (laughs) Wow. The righteous judge, Jesus, who is without sin. He's the one who paid our price so we could be saved. He's the one who was put on the cross instead of us. Every day we need to remember that he paid the price. And someday he's going to award us his righteousness for eternity. How can you add to that? That should bring a smile to our face on those hot, what do they call them, oppressive hot days in Florida when we're out walking, and I have to apply this to myself, walking on the asphalt over the jail compound. It's kind of hot. I don't. It might be a degree or two warmer than it is inside the air conditioning. But as I'm walking across, we need to anticipate every day could be the day the Lord calls us home. And are we ready? Are we living 
this moment, this day, this step for the Lord. Because it could be our last. We don't know when that is. But God does. And it won't be a moment sooner or a moment later. As the church is raptured and Jesus comes for his bride and is visible, we all should every day be looking toward that day when it will happen in twinkling of an eye. We have the comforting words of 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning at verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. That's hope. That's the blessed hope that we have. Our ultimate hope is where? It's in Jesus. He made us alive to respond to salvation. He chose us. He drew us. We respond Accept that gift and then we're preserved by Him. How long? Forever and ever. The three steps to reaching our ultimate hope, who is Jesus, are that our present situation, we are all dying physically. Our ongoing, secondly, our ongoing legacy is to finish the race. You know we're building a legacy even today? And finally, our reward is an eternal crown of righteousness that Jesus will award us someday at the end of our days. It's the end of our days here on earth, but it's the beginning of our days with the Lord in heaven forever. We need to thank God every day that He is our ultimate hope. When people cry out for hope, we have the answer. It's just whether we're going to share it. When those opportunities come, we may never see that person again. And if we look at that person, not whether we like them or, or whether they're dressing the way we think they should or they're acting the way we should, we need to be thinking they're a soul that's either going to spend eternity with the Lord or eternity without Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You again for the, Your Word Thank you, Lord, for the encouragement from Brother Paul who went through so much on this earth and yet he was faithful. He fought the good fight. He finished the race. He kept the faith. Lord, may it be true of our lives that someday you will award us eternal righteousness. Thank you, Lord, again for saving us. And I pray, Lord, you will continue to walk with each one here and all the opportunities, all the avenues we have to share the gospel, to share you with others. May we speak up when you call us to. May we live for you. May we glorify your name. And we thank you, Lord, for what you are doing and will do. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.